0: As you know, through this series, I've been doing more teaching than I have preaching because I don't want you to get so loud and excited on the popular points that you miss the painful points. I've been touching nerves and I've been doing it on purpose. I don't apologize for it because it is through the exposure of the pain that you are best able to deal with the source of what is hurting you. And I want freedom. I want true freedom. I'm... I'm so old now and I have preached so many revivals in so many different places that I'm over having momentary shouts of liberty for one weekend just to watch you to go back out and get entrapped back in the same stuff that you were called in bondage by. I want true freedom. I want to see God's people walking in liberty and not going back to the mess that they have gotten out of. Well, somebody... Join with me this morning and say that that needs to be me. My, my testimony needs to be I went to church one Sunday morning at Promise of Victory and God liberated me to the point that I never went back. That, that I uh, after 40 years of wandering around the same mountain and, and wondering why I missed the leeks and the garlics of Egypt, that I finally came to church, and instead of just having another altar service, and instead of just singing three songs, and instead of just hearing another sermon, I found real freedom and real liberty, and I'm never going back. Amen? Amen. That's why I've been excited about this. I, I haven't been as preachy. I haven't been as excited because I've needed to drill down into some things that, quite frankly, me and your therapist are the only ones that have ever confronted you with. You say, I don't have a therapist. Exactly. That's why, that's why you've had so many difficulties through the years and why you've never really experienced the liberty that is in Christ Jesus. Pastor, you mean to tell me that I should never hurt? No, no, absolutely not. But we're going to talk about some things today that you have been chained to for 20, 30, 40 years of your life and have never broken loose even though you have accepted not only the way maker but the bondage breaker. He is Christos, the anointed one. When Isaiah prophesied that Jesus was coming to his own, that his government would be upon his shoulders, when, when he called him Christ, when when Jesus asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? Well, some say you're Isaiah the prophet, come back from the dead. Others think you're Jeremiah or maybe even John the Baptist. He says, yes, but who do you say that I am? And when Peter opened his mouth, big mouth Peter, open mouth and insert foot Peter, he had he claimed it right because he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. But my Father who was in heaven, when he called him the anointed one, the anointing, according to Isaiah, breaks the yoke. See, you come to church often as a believer and you take off yokes. The problem with taking it off is that you can again put it back on. But anointed one means he is anointed to break the yoke. And if you break it, you can't find it to put it back around your neck. And that's what I'm trying to do in your life. The anointed Christ destroys the yoke of bondage. But I've been preaching this gospel long enough to know some of you are good at just refitting the yoke. You take it off, you put some sparkly doodads on it, Maybe put a cross necklace around it and then you put that thing right back on. You're good for a few weeks until you go to the family reunion or you go over to Thanksgiving dinner and then before you go, you got to strap that yoke back on. Y'all not going to help me. You waiting on me to preach, I'm already there. Some of you do real good. You come and you join the praise team or you join the greeting crew or, or maybe you, uh, uh, you, you begin uh, uh, coming to the collective and, and you start saying, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. And you are free, but you've got that yoke hanging on a nail in your house. And, and you're okay until something triggers you. Something stresses you. Somebody starts acting a certain way towards you and then you go right back to that yoke and you put it back on. You've refitted, it. You have redesigned it. But the yoke remains. I've came on a mission and a mandate during this series and particularly this morning that the one who destroys yokes is in this house. I have prayed. I have asked him to show up. And somebody is going to find true liberty that my God in heaven. Somebody's going to get the yoke broke this morning. Look at your neighbor and say, it might be you. It might be you. Mm -hmm. And now look at your other neighbor and say, it should be you. Now I know it's been a few weeks since I mentioned this. We've, we've titled this series Ghost Stories. And it's been a few weeks since I mentioned this and we have some new people joining in every week. So I want to give you what my definition for this series for ghost is. We are, we are not dealing with spooks and specters. We're not dealing with uh, 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 spirits from the undead world. When I called ghosts... For ghost stories, we're dealing with ghosts from the past. What what it really entails is when the shadow, somebody say shadow, how many of you know that a shadow is a reflection of something but it's not real? When a shadow from a person or a thing from the past shows up in the present, it's a ghost. When the pain that you thought was over shows up in the present, it's a ghost. When the heartache that you thought you left in the old relationship shows up today, it's a ghost. When the sin that you thought you buried and left behind, when you start tasting for it again today, it's a ghost. So when we talk about ghost stories, what we're we're really talking about is things that should have been behind us that are still affecting our right now and makes then feel a whole lot like now and now a whole lot like then. Does anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? So this morning, we're going to begin two weeks of talking about one of the most popular characters in the Old Testament. We're going to begin talking about Joseph. And we're going to tell his story in reverse. See, usually we begin Joseph's story with a dream. We begin Joseph's story with his father's love, lavishing upon him a coat of many colors. But we're going to skip this morning to the end of Joseph's story. We're going to begin in Genesis 45 and Genesis 50. And then next week, we're going to come back to the beginning of his story. The reason I'm doing this is because I have a very specific point I need to make this week, which will lead us to a very specific point next week. Are you tracking me? Joseph's troubles began when God gave him a dream. Mm -hmm. As long as you ain't doing nothing for the Lord, the devil will leave you alone. But when the Lord gives you a dream and you start following it, You're going to run into an enemy that is against what God's trying to do in your life. What Joseph's dream was, was that his entire family, his dad and his brothers, was all going to bow down in front of him. And his brothers, who were all older than Joseph, didn't like that. And so they sold Joseph into slavery. Uh And, and, And talk. you think your family is dysfunctional. His brothers literally sold him to a Midianite caravan as a slave. But God stayed with Joseph. I don't have time to preach this. This will be next week's message. God used the events of Joseph's life to move him into the dream. See, it's not always the good stuff that moves you. I'm already preaching... Sometimes what moves you are shipwrecks. What moves you are the storms. It's not just the promotion that moves you. Sometimes it's losing your job when you're 55 years old that moves you. Sometimes it's not the love people show you. It's the betrayal. This week's message is bewitched. By betrayal. See, some of you didn't plan on coming to this church. Some of you came in the first time and said, I don't know what this church is all about, but I know this is the last time I'm going to be here. Because some of y'all saw a dancing lady in the aisle, or some of you heard something come out of somebody's mouth that sounded like maybe a cat got caught under a rocking chair. You were here on one of the sermons where the bishop was sweating through every layer of his clothes and spitting on the first three rows and you said, "I don't know how I ended up here, but I won't make it back." And here you are. And you were you were you were drawn back to this place again and again and every time you came in at the beginning you were like I'm gonna give it one more shot but I I don't think that I'm gonna and then the next time you said well I'm gonna try it one more time but I'll tell you what I'm not comfortable there and you just kept coming and kept coming and you kept making excuses why you didn't belong and then before you realized that you were like well I was here last year when they had pastor appreciation day See, you didn't know you needed to be here, but the Lord knew what He was doing in your life, and He knew He was moving you and maneuvering you and putting you in a position where you would be blessed to get through your mess because you didn't know what you was about to face, but God. But God knew exactly what He was doing in your life. See, you didn't know what you needed, but God's always trying to do good by you. So let's talk about this word, betrayal. I'm going to approach it from two different perspectives. The first one I'm not going to spend much time on. Because the first thing I'm going to teach you, and I'm going to do it very quickly, is how to repair betrayal when you have been the guilty party. Don't raise your hands. But when you have been the one who committed the betrayal, I'm going to give you a very quick, simple teaching. Okay? Let's talk about this word betrayal. It simply means this a breaking of trust. You can can commit betrayal in a lot of ways. You you, you can cheat, you can lie, you can abuse, you can be vindictive. There's a lot of ways you can commit betrayal, but betrayal is always the same, has always the same outcome. You have broken trust, okay? And, And trust is earned. Not because you say sorry. Oh, I thought I might get a little louder, amen. Or t- I know you're, you're sitting beside of the person. <laughs> so I understand why some of you can't shout amen. Uh, but you don't get trust back just by saying, I'm sorry. Because you can say, I'm sorry, and then go back and do the same thing over again. So, so here's how you earn trust. You have consistent Behavior Over a period of time Because anybody can say sorry Not everybody can show sorry uh, So don't get upset When you have been the one that has betrayed somebody And you have not been found trustworthy And people don't show you favor and trust right away You broke it You brought that on yourself But you can fix the hurt by showing consistent behavior over a period of time. And then the person will gradually begin to trust you again. Oh, and let me give you a little hint. And If I ain't made you upset in this series, this is your turn. You don't get to tell them how long it takes for them to heal because of what you did to hurt them. Oh, I just made my entire just-get-over-it crowd mad. Because some of you said, well, I said I'm sorry. What are you still harping on that for? You said you were sorry, but you're the one who caused the wound. You don't get to wound me and tell me how long it takes for me to heal. you got to give me some time. Mm -hmm. So that's all I'm going to say about that. When you are the one doing the betraying, what you have to do is... Say you're sorry, and then show you're sorry. That's it. But what about the ones that I'm going to spend the rest of my time talking to you? What about those of you who were the victim of somebody else's betrayal? I'm going to start in a very interesting place in Joseph's story this morning. I'm going to start at the end instead of the beginning. And the reason I want to do this is because I don't want you... Sometimes we idolize and almost make people in the Bible as fictional characters. We idolize them to the degree that we don't believe because they seem to be so supernatural. Like they're a hero that we could not ever do what they did. But the point that I'm going to make to you this morning is that Joseph was very human. Even though he didn't do any of the things that you and I are guilty of when we are betrayed most of us act out in unreasonable, ungodly, unchristian-like ways. Joseph didn't do any of that, but he was very much human. I'm going to show you that with a few scriptures this morning because watching how Joseph's pain affects his choices is a great teaching moment for us. Genesis chapter 45 and verse 1. Now, mind you, before I start reading... Joseph has went through all of the betrayal. He's graduated from Betrayal University. He's got a master's degree and he's working on his Ph.D. right here in front of us. He has been betrayed by his brothers. He's been betrayed by Potiphar's wife. He's been betrayed by the baker. And the cupbearer. He's been betrayed basically by everybody he's ever come in contact with. Everybody has used him and abused him and discarded him. Joseph has been nothing but good to everybody, and nobody has been good to Joseph in return. That's his story. And now he is in power, he's got all the authority. He was once a slave and now he's the boss. He's the slave master. And his brothers have come begging for food because they're about to starve to death. I want you to look in Genesis chapter 45 verse 1. Joseph could stand it no longer. His brothers don't know who he is. They're asking for food and they think they're asking some random Egyptian stranger. There were many people in the room when he said to his attendants, Out, all of you. So he was alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. And verse 2 is the first scripture I want you to memorize this morning. Was Joseph human? Absolutely. Then he broke down and wept. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians could hear him. And word of it quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace. In the meanwhile, between chapter 45 and chapter 50, which is where we're going next, Joseph's father, Jacob, dies. It affects Joseph deeply, as it has many of you. Joseph has lived for years disconnected from his father because of what his brothers did. Now he has shown his brothers, it's me. And he's tried to work out a new relationship with his father, but now his father is long in life and he dies. And in verse 50, chapter, uh, chapter 50, verse 14, after burying Jacob, Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had accompanied him to his father's funeral. But now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now Joseph will show his anger and pay us back for all the wrong we did to him, they said. So they sent a message to Joseph. Before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, Please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you, for their sin in treating you so cruelly. So we, the servants of the God your Father, beg you to forgive our sins. Stop right there. Stop right there. Look at me. That was a lie. Nowhere in Scripture do you find that Jacob told these boys to tell Joseph to forgive them. Up to this moment, when these brothers have done nothing but wrong to Joseph. They sold him into slavery because they were jealous. They've caused every bit of his pain and dysfunction. They have done nothing but evil to him. And now, even now, they're lying to him. They're doing it out of fear. They're doing it out of a very real connective place where you and I can understand. Well, I'm sure why Joseph has all the power. He He could have them all executed. I'm sure they're afraid, but even right now, when Joseph has been so kind to them, they're still lying to him. Love hurts. Anybody that writes Hallmark cards, don't ever tell the truth. When you go over to the Hallmark section and all these lovey-dovey messages are on the front of these cards about forever, I will love thee. Yeah, none of them ever says love bites. Don't do it. Run, child, run. It don't say any of that. But it should. Love hurts. Joseph loves his brothers in spite of what they've done. And even right now, when he has exposed to them, you did this to me. They're still lying to him. I'll get into that in a moment. Just hold you. I told you we're going to get intimate and personal this morning. So when Joseph received the message, look what he did again. He broke down and wept. This is the second time that Joseph has cried. Then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. Look, we are your slaves. Oh, they sold him into slavery. Now they say we are Your slave. And I want you to pay attention. If you have a Bible, I want you to follow very intently to verses 19 and 20. Because at the very end of this message, we're going to come back to them. Verse 19 and 20. If you have a Bible, highlight it, underline it, write it down, whatever you want to do. But memorize what I'm about to tell you. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? Verse 20 is the one we all know. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. He brought me to this position. Look what he says. He brought me to this position. God brought me. The boys think Joseph blames them. They sold him into slavery. They stole his daddy's coat. They pushed him into the pit. And they, in their mind, blame themselves for what happened to Joseph. But look who Joseph blames. God brought me to this position so that I could save the lives of many people. I have a heavy task in front of me. And I solicit your prayers before I begin because I want to preach the truth of this text. And I could go on for hours and time will not permit me to drill down the way I want to into this text. But I do it from a place of great humility. Because I want to discuss with you what the Holy Spirit has been discussing with me about this text. And I hopefully want to relay the idea of heaven to you this morning because somebody needs to be healed in Jesus name. Somebody this morning needs to receive uh, a healing in their spirit and in their emotions but before healing can take place revelation must expose hurts and it is a painful thing when light shines on things that we have left in darkness for a long time. So the kind of mandate that I'm operating under from the Lord this morning is a prophetic word that's going to set somebody free. So before I begin, I'm going to ask you, and I know some of you are on a prayer team. You were here praying before service. You were praying for me. You were praying for the people. But I I want to take a few minutes, and I want you to genuinely ask for yourself, for your neighbor, and for me. For God to open our spirits up this morning to receive this word. Yes, it's that important. I'm going to take preaching time to pray because you need this your neighbor needs this and I don't want to get in the way of what God needs to say so will you help me pray father God in the name of your son Jesus this morning I know that there are hurting people I know that people have been abused they've been neglected they have been abandoned they have been forgotten all of the things that we are going to talk about this morning are very real and genuine emotions and feelings. And God, every person in this room has has handled them, but we have all handled them differently. Some of us have been successful at laying them down and walking away. Others of us have carried the bondages and the chains uh, for years and multiplied decades. And this morning, God, hide me behind your cross Help me to be anointed to preach this word so that I am out of the way and the spotlight of your Holy Spirit shines upon the dark recesses of our hearts and our souls so that the things that we have hidden are revealed, so that the revelation will not be used to wound us further, but so that the thing that has been hidden in darkness will be brought into your marvelous light and be healed once and for all. So I pray for every person in this room, every parent, every child, every co-worker, every boss, every employee, every church member, every preacher, every ex-preacher, every person in this room that has been... Tormented and traumatized by betrayal, God, I pray for them for their hearts to be open and their spirits to be receptive, so that everything that is preached from this pulpit today will bring a healing balm and a salve of the eternal onto their wounds. In Jesus' name, heal us all. And if you need healing in some way, shout Amen. Amen. So Joseph's story begins with dreams and ends in tears. It begins several chapters earlier with God giving him dreams. It ends with a lot of tears. I'm going to stop right here. I'm not going to preach it, but I'm going to tell you that what you do with the dream will determine how many tears you shed. And you can flip that and say how you respond to your tears will determine if you follow the dream. Because just because God gives you a dream doesn't mean it's easy to walk it out. There's going to be some tears shed to see the realization of the dream. And it's odd that as often as I've been in service and heard preachers preach about Joseph, it's odd that we see so so little preaching about this part of his life. Most of the sermons uh, are preached about the pain he endured the betrayal that he went through, the evil that befell him. But you have to focus on this part of his story because this is the harvest. This is the harvest that Joseph received because of the faithfulness through his suffering. Joseph could have quit. Some of you could have quit. Some of you did quit. And you're on the rebound right now. Thank God that you didn't quit forever. Because the Bible says those who endure to the end shall be saved. And this is Joseph's end. We're seeing the harvest that we get. And we preach about he was abandoned, he was abused, he was mistreated, he was ostracized. But we shouldn't neglect to teach that people do come to an end of suffering. Thank God. Thank God. Because, listen, I'm tired of a hopeless gospel. I'm tired of us always talking about woe is me. Because that's not the power that I hear when God speaks. When God speaks, he says, you know who I am? I am your high tower. I am your shield and your defense. I am the name that you can run into and be safe. I am that I am. That's what I hear when God speaks. When Jesus preaches and Jesus speaks to people he doesn't say you're worthless no good piece of this and that and the other no, no no he says you are your father's children you are the branches I am the vine abide in me stay in me and if you stay in me you can do all things that's why but we don't talk like that we don't talk like that we open up the church for open mic night Everybody comes up and says, pray for me. I'm going through. Well, when are you going to get through? Are you ever going to get through because you was going through 15 years ago when I joined the church? Like, when do we ever get through? And, 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 and this is the mindset that I want to teach you about because some of you, it's not your fault. You just haven't dealt with it. It's not your fault because the next two weeks I'm going to show you, it was handed down to you. It, it was gifted to you by folks who modeled for you that life is hard and it just gets harder. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Oh! Everybody that just laughed showed your age. Deep, dark depression. Excessive misery. Oh! If it wasn't what? For bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Oh! Yeah, everybody that's laughing is showing how old you are. hee ain't been around in a minute. See, see, Joseph's story shows us how God can work through a dysfunctional family. And he can accomplish his own divine purpose no matter how dysfunctional our family was. You think yours is bad? Listen, Jacob's family was tore up from the floor up. I mean everything that joke Jacob's family tried to do before Jacob, after Jacob, all of his kids, his grandkids, we can read story after story after story of how uh this this story with Joseph's brothers is not odd for Jacob's family. Jo- uh, Joseph's brothers tore his coat off of him, they threw him into a pit, they they sold him into slavery, they went back and lied to Jacob uh that that Joseph had been killed with wild animals. Since then, Joseph has been locked up. Get this. Some of you think you're being mistreated because the boss passed you over for a race. Joseph spent 12 years in jail for something he didn't do. And the Bible says he never got bitter about it. What? Some of you got bitter because somebody was in your parking space when you got to church this morning. And Joseph didn't get bitter because he spent 12 years in prison falsely accused. And since then, since then, he would have been out sooner. But he helped get two people out of jail. And both of them said, don't worry, I'll remember you. I'll come back to get you out. Wrong answer. The baker and the cupbearer, he helped get them out early. They were out on work release. They went home with a bracelet on their leg. Because Joseph interpreted some dreams and, and that God showed them favor and they both said, I'll come back for you. And neither one of them did. Betrayal. Somebody say betrayal. 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 Every person who's, who's come into contact with Joseph has betrayed him. People who were supposed to love him. People who made promises to him. People who had power over him. We're so soft in this generation. We are so soft. We think everything's supposed to be equal. We think everything's supposed to be good. We think all of our outcomes are supposed to be favorable. And when it's not, we want to sue. We want to cancel. We want to shout down. Look at Joseph's life. He has been betrayed by every person who had any contact with him. And the Bible says he he stayed in God's attitude. How do you do that? How do you look betrayal in the eye and answer and respond with kindness? Make no mistake, we learn exactly what kind of person Joseph was because his character is on display in hard times. Anybody, anybody can shout when daddy gives them a coat. But his character was on display when they took his coat. Because they could take his coat, but they could not take his integrity. They could take his freedom, but they could not take his character. Oh, this ought to preach to this generation because everything in life is not going to treat you well. Your boss won't treat you well. The job won't treat you well. The government sure ain't going to treat you well. Even the pastor won't treat you well. But you have a decision whether you're going to let it affect your attitude because Joseph just showed you you can be betrayed by everybody and keep wearing your character. They can steal your coat. But you don't have to open your mouth. You don't have to open your Facebook. Oh, it got quiet all of a sudden. This family had been so badly disjointed. They had been broken up for years that the reunion brought Joseph to tears. It made him weep so loudly, the Bible says the Egyptians could hear him in the next room. This was the same Joseph... Who was so powerful that only Pharaoh in the whole world had more power and authority than him. And he is weeping over the reunion of brothers who had brutally betrayed him. I know I'm beating this to death. It's because I need you to understand this was not just some small infraction. Some of you won't go to the Thanksgiving dinner, haven't been in 10 years, if she's going to be there. Because she told you your pecan pie wasn't as good as grandma's. (laughs) Well, if she's going to be there, I'll have to come the next day. She insulted me. That's not even real betrayal. Listen to what Joseph has went through and watch. Watch how he responds. It's not just that they hated him. They were his family. These weren't strangers. You can understand it if the Midianites and the Egyptians hate you. They're outsiders. These were his brothers. In other words, can I help you? It's not just what they did. It's who they are. Because who you are to me determines how badly you can hurt me. If you're a stranger in Walmart parking lot showing me the birds you keep in your car, I can let that go. But when I have to go home to that attitude, I have allowed you in. I have opened my spirit up to you. I have opened my heart up to you. I have shown you my love and my capacities, and I've been vulnerable to you. And when you show me that kind of betrayal, and now, now, they're not the ones standing on the outside of the pit looking down at Joseph. Now, Joseph has the power. He's on top. And he has the power to be vindictive. He has the power to get even. He has the power to seek revenge. He has the power to squash them like a bug. He can cut off their food supply and watch them starve to death slowly. I say it with such demeaning attitude because that's what some of you would do. When these brothers showed up in your presence, you would have said... Uh -uh. You don't know who I am, but I know who you are. And catch this, Joker. I'm going to watch you starve a slow, painful death. Bless you in Jesus' name. Hope you're saved. But instead of doing any of that, Joseph burst into tears. This for me is the most amazing part of Joseph's story. You know why? Because they took off his coat and he didn't cry. They threw him in a pit and he didn't cry. They sold him to Midianite traders and he didn't shed a tear. They put him in Potiphar's house where God raised him up and made him the ruler of the house and then his wife lied on him and they threw him in prison and he didn't cry. The cupbearer and the baker told him, we'll remember you and come back for you and he spent 12 years waiting on somebody to come and set him free and he didn't cry. The Bible said he, he had God's favor on him the whole time he was in there. He was sold to Pharaoh. He's been separated from his father who loved him and his father unknowingly thinks he's dead and he didn't cry. None of that made Joseph cry. And this family reunion with these skunks, these lying, betraying bunch of you-know-whats is what made Joseph weep. In other words, Joseph was not a wimp. All of the hard things he went through never made him cry. He kept his chin up. So what is it about this situation that brings him to tears? I'm glad you asked. Joseph had endured all of that. And now when the ones who betrayed him are in front of him, they're desperate. They need him. He's got two choices. Either he's going to react in vengeance, or he's going to have to find another motivation. I can see that I'm losing you. Let me make it real to you, okay? I told you we're going to drill down. Have you ever had to wrestle the two different ways you could react to somebody who done you wrong? Am I the only one that's been done wrong? Some some of you know what it feels like to be done wrong. And you know the way you should react because it's the way God wants you to. But then when you start thinking about how you suffered at their hand, you get haunted by the memories. Is there anybody in here that had trouble reacting the way you were supposed to? Anybody bold enough to say there's been times that I have had the opportunity to do some stuff and I wish I hadn't handled it the way I handled it? Because I told him. Let me help you at first and say it is human to remember. I mean, let's be honest. How could you ever forget being thrown into a pit and sold into slavery? Did you hear what Joseph said in, in verse 20? He said, I remember what you did, and and then catch this. He, he said, "You meant it to harm me." Right? Let me give you a modern translation of that. I remember what you did, and I know you did it on purpose. You meant it for my harm. You 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 meant it. Let's take King James out the window and say, "I know what I remember what you did, and you didn't do it by accident." You did it on purpose. You did it spiteful. You did it with malice and intent. I caught your red handed I know why you did what you did to me, you hateful thing. This is the two options you have. You remember the cartoons when you was a little kid? And, and, and somebody had a decision to make and there was an angel on one shoulder. And the, and the devil. And some of y'all don't know, don't know that in reality because y'all got a devil on both shoulders. Because so y'all, y'all, y'all's devils have kids. And they ganged up on the angel and kicked it off the shoulder. And now all the voices you got's telling you, oh yeah, make them pay, make them pay. Let me ask you a question. Do you have the strength to allow good to come out of you when only evil has been done to you? Because my sermon's going to take a twist on that question. Anybody can be good to people who are good to them. But the challenge in life is to be good to somebody who reminds you of the ghosts of the past hurts that betrayal has caused you. And the temptation is to treat them the same way you felt treated. Can I help you? Oh, time has passed and you think I'm just supposed to forget what you did to me? Oh, you need me now? You did that to me? I remember what you did. I know why you did it. And I'm supposed to just forget because you need me now? That's what Joseph is going through. How would you respond? Do you have the strength and the capacity to do good? When only evil has been done to you, now you say, now you know why I call this ghost stories, right? Right? This is not easy stuff. This doesn't get preachers on TBN, because this stuff hurts. But you know what? We're not the first ones to be haunted by these things. What's that, Paul? The stuff you want to do? It and the stuff you do? And the stuff you said you wouldn't do no more, that's the stuff. And he wrote two-thirds of the Bible. See, see, Paul said, when I would do good, evil is present with me. He He said, there's a war going on inside of me. And every time I make a decision how I treat people, I got two options. I got two options. There's always a choice that I can make on how I'm going to respond to every moment in life. And he said, the things I want to do, be loving and kind and generous and Christ-like. No, I don't do that. And the stuff I don't want to do, be spiteful, hateful, give an eye for an eye. The stuff I don't want to do because I know Jesus ain't happy with it, that's the stuff I do. Oh, wretched Man that I am. There's not one person in this room. Understand something. Understand something. Because I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you. There's not one person in this room who has a simple life. Listen, I'm about, to, I'm about to drag some of y'all's religious sacred cows right up here to the altar and cut the throat right in front of you. You know why? Because I've been doing this for a long time. And here here's, I was taught in the early church. That everything is black and white. It is. It's just, there's right and wrong, and that's true. There's good and evil, and that's true. But it's black and white is not true, because there's a lot of shades of gray. And I'm not talking about right and wrong, because God is right and everything else is always wrong. But I'm talking about there's not a simple life in this room. Every person in this room has complications. Because every one of you have people you love, Every person in this room have been betrayed at different times. Every person in this room have had abandonment issues. Every person in this room have had traumas. Every one of you in this room had different triggers. None of us skate through life where everything is just black and white. You know the right thing, but living it out and fleshing it out is two totally different things. Because there's a lot of steps of gray in the middle. Because when I open my mouth, I intend to bless. But my mouth is connected to my heart. Sometimes my heart is broken. Sometimes my heart is so broken that what comes out of my mouth betrays how I really feel. Yes, my spirit and my mind want to bless them. That's what Joseph did. Joseph was a bigger man than me because Joseph opened his mouth and he spoke out of a godlike spirit. But I don't always do that. Sometimes when I open my mouth, I have good intentions. But it's connected to the heart because the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And sometimes my heart is overflowing with hurt. Sometimes the pain that's in my heart comes spilling out of my lips and I say things that I wish I didn't say. I do things I wish I didn't do. That's what Paul meant. He said, this wretched man, I got this, I got this conflict. I'm complicated. It's not as simple as, I got saved. I'm going to treat everybody like Jesus. It's not that simple. He said, I'm complicated. I got two decisions going on at the same time. Love them, smack them. Bless them, kick them in the shin. At times, they both sound equally favorable. I know I'm the only one complicated in here, right? I'm, I'm, the, only, I'm the only honest Christian on a Sunday. Complicated situations, let me explain it to you. It's when your mind and your emotions are fighting with each other. Because one of them is going to respond to the ghost of your past and the betrayals. And the problem is, your memory ain't lying. They did sell you out they did betray you and if all you had to worry about was your memory to help you make decisions on how you was going to treat people life would be easy really if all I had to do was remember how you treated me the last time we talked and that's how I'm going to treat you now life would be easy oh you want to talk to me now last week you was too good for me shut your face Listen here, bucko, I didn't raise you like that. I raised you better than that. Last time we talked to me, you spoke with me with such disrespect. Get out of my house. No, you can't have nothing out of my refrigerator. You ain't even my kid anymore the way you talked to me the last time. But here's the problem. It's complicated because my memory is fighting with my heart. So I remember how you treated me, but my heart still cares. I resent what you did to me, but I still love you. I want to throw you down the steps, but I want to get to the bottom before you do to catch you. Like, like, like my head and my heart are in conflict. I love you and I'm mad at you. Am I the only person in here this morning or do you understand what I'm talking about? Like like I am hurt by the decisions you made but I'm still going to stand beside you because I can't get disconnected because my memory tells me that you are making the dumbest decision in the world but yet my heart tells me that you need me and I'm going to be here for you. That that's the conflict. That's the complication that goes on inside of every single one of us. Now there's some complicated people in here. You ain't admitting it yet but hopefully by the end of the service. Maybe some people online. You're complicated. Paul said I got a good man and a wretched man and both of them are equally living down on the inside of me. And depends on which door you knock on. I can't even believe I'm going to tell this but I might as well. It's just us. This was not last week. This was a long time ago, but I was a pastor, and I was a pastor of this church, and we were on vacation in Tennessee, and we was at a go-kart track, and, and there was a man and, a, and his son, they were in separate go-karts, and I still to this day don't know what I did to this fella and to his little boy They got him. So mad at me. I have no idea. I don't even think it was me. I think he had me mistaken with somebody else because I, 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 I have no recollection. I, I don't know what he did. But this boy was maddy mad mad. To the point where we were bringing the go-karts in. He hits me from the side, spins me out, puts me into the wall. And I got to have the workers come out and pull, pry me loose out of the wall and get me in. I, I just thought, this guy can't drive. We get back to the place where you get out and you unload, and he's waiting on me. Him and his little chihuahua, I mean his little wife who was about this tall. (laughs) Who was absolutely calling me everything but by my name. He was in my face. She was in my face. She was spitting, which made it even worse. Fussing, cussing, spewing venom at me, the likes of which I have not heard since I left the bar scene. I mean, these people was giving me what for, and I tried to walk away. As God is my witness, I tried to walk away, but she followed me. She would not quit yapping at me. She kept, and when I say yap, it was yapping. Because I'm not sure it was English that she spoke. And I'm not saying that in, in a derogatory manner, but she was telling me something, and I couldn't understand it. she kept on, and kept on, and kept on, and she wouldn't leave me alone. And finally, I looked at the man, and I said, if you're going to keep a pet in public, put it on a leash. Listen, I have to give you a disclaimer. I wasn't saved enough for this fella to be acting the way he was acting. I tried to walk away. They followed me. I figured I turned the cheek once. When I said that about his wife, he got in a posture like he wanted to fight, but it was also a posture that I thought, "Fella, you're in trouble. Because he took a posture like a 1920s boxing mat. And I thought, I'm about to feed this guy about 45 knuckle sandwiches. Because I ain't fought in a minute, but I'm due a good one. And him and his wife liable to catch some hands here quick. And about the time I leaped in the air and was going to break his jaw, very likely, I get caught in midair by Gary Jr., who commences to put me in a bear hug, rings me around the other side. I'm kicking in front. I'm going after this guy. Gary Jr. won't let me go. When it was all over and I finally settled down, I thought to myself, 6 o'clock news on Knoxville News tonight, West Virginia pastor arrested in a go-kart track incident. Can you imagine some stuff like that? I guarantee I'd have been on the news. I guarantee this was before Facebook. That's how I thought, that's how long. This was before social media. That, thank God there wasn't no Snapchatting going on. There'd still be evidence of this thing out there in the in the interwebs but no this was before social media this was before people had smartphones so, so it was a long time ago but but nonetheless can you imagine I was going to get in a fight and probably go to jail over go-karts over, over, over. yeah I know I'm the only one conflicted I'm the only one in here that's complicated none of y'all ever ever get dial, dialed in and, and ready to hurt somebody over something important Like go Uh karts See, I got two different voices. That's what Paul meant. Paul said, when you come knocking, depends on which door you knock on, whether you get the good guy or the wretched man. See, my wretched man showed up at the golf cart track that day. I didn't even know he was still down in there. I guess it was a lesson learned for me. I thought I was so holy, I spake with other tongues. I fell out in the Holy Ghost. I danced and shimmied all over the altar. I figured I was too holy for that. I found out that old wretched man is down there, and if you knock on the right door, he'll show right up. (laughs) Who knew? Who knew? Look! Look what Genesis 37 and 20 says. This is when Joseph was about to get, uh, get thrown into the pit by his brothers. They saw him coming. His brothers were out in the wilderness, and they see Joseph coming. Look what verse 20 said. Come on, let's kill him. They were so jealous of their brother. They said, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what happens to his dreams. You think people have betrayed you because they're wicked. You think they betrayed you because they're selfish. You think that you have been betrayed because people were self-serving and selfish. And all of that is true to an extent. But what you need to understand is it's not about you. It's not about them. The enemy is trying to kill your dream. We'll see what becomes... See, they they never said a thing about Joseph's attitude. They never said a thing about who Joseph was as a person because they're not attacking his person. They're attacking his dream. See, when people betray you and it's a ghost and you keep letting the past show up in the present, it's not just hurting you and your emotional state and your relationship status. It's hurting your spiritual dreams. It is putting pain Where joy and pleasure is supposed to be. It's the dream God put inside of you that it's after. And none of this would have happened if it wasn't for these brothers. Who were his brothers and his attempted murderers. They were both things. I love you. I'm going to cook for you. But I can't trust you. Every time a person in this room has situations that is in your family, and it is hard to explain, like, I love you, but you get on my last nerve. Come on over for dinner, but I know what you said behind my back. I can't not prepare dinner for you, but I know how you've been running me through the mud. But I love you, but I can't stand you. Joseph had this ability to be able to deal with this, with the kind of grace that is difficult to explain because his love was stronger than his memory. He loved these brothers more than the pain they caused. Joseph was thrown into a pit and his love survived the fall. Can I tell you that you can't be a parent if your love can't survive the fall? You you, you can't be in church if your love can't survive the fall. You can't run a business if your love can't survive the fall. Joseph's dream was finally realized. That's where we started This morning, he went from a prison to the palace. But it wasn't a straight line to get there. He went through betrayal and hardship and loneliness and abandonment. And all through it, Joseph kept this stubborn love for his family. His brothers were starving for food. Do you want to know why Joseph wept? Because he was starving for them. They needed food, but Joseph needed them. And it's at this point that we get distracted by what he went through. And I know I've been preaching a long time, but I need to to share this with you. The what you go through isn't what haunts you. It's the who. Who? You can survive any what, but what haunts your spirit is the who that did it to you. God was setting his nation up to be saved. I'm, I'm, I, 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 I've, I've came full circle. I'm, I'm God was setting his nation up to be saved. Israel. Joseph's father, Jacob, his name was Israel. Israel. He's setting his nation up to be saved because there's a famine in the land. And if they don't get food, they're all going to perish. And that's not God's plan. God's plan is for them to still be here, which they are. They survived the famine. How did they survive the famine? Because God, who knows the beginning from the ending. God sent one man. He sent one man ahead. Do you want to know what Joseph meant when he said, you meant it for evil? But God... Used it for good so I could save the lives of many people. Here's how it happened God sent one man, Joseph, to save them by providing food in a famine that got the entire nation through a time that would have destroyed and decimated the whole family. He sent one man, Joseph. Not a legion, not an army, one man. One man who if he would have become bewitched by betrayal, he would have quit. If he would have become bewitched by the betrayal, he would have had his family members murdered. He did not know that this was God's plan. God put him in a place of prominence. He gave him authority. He gave him power. He gave him promotion. And he never told him why. He never told Joseph, I put you here to save your family. Joseph kept the right attitude not knowing if he was ever going to get a reward. My God in heaven, I just did a whole lot of preaching because some of us are unfaithful to our spouses because we say, well, they don't treat me right. They don't give me the love I need. They don't do that. And I deserve this and I deserve that. Can I tell you that that is not Joseph's attitude. If you got a Joseph anointing, you do the right thing whether you know if there's a payoff or not. You do the, I keep coming home every day and taking my boots off because that's where I live. I've devoted my life to this. I do the right things. I keep coming back to the house of God. And no, it's not always easy. And no, I don't always feel like my prayers are working. And no, I don't always feel like coming. But I keep doing the right thing because I know if I do the right thing long enough, I won't pay attention to the wrong stuff no more. Joseph anointing makes me do the right thing over and over and over again, even if I don't know for a fact that there is a payoff in this life. And he set Joseph up to become the savior of his family. One man who if he would have got bewitched by the betrayal would have canceled God's plan. So let me tell you something. Now you know why God chose Joseph and not any of the other brothers. Because he knew he could trust Joseph to love in spite of the betrayal. Some of us are wondering why we don't get the promotion. And it's because God can't trust us with the power. He loved boys who didn't love him back. He loved family members who did not love him back. He sowed love and did not reap love in return. Is there anybody in this room that knows that nagging, haunting, aching feeling of loving people that do not show you that kind of love that, that, that when that when you that thing that won't go away that that co- common sense tells you won't you leave them alone but your heart won't y'all not going to help me in here see i wonder if there's anybody in here that's got that stubborn kind of love that that tenacious that 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 down deep kind of relentless love is, is there anybody in this room besides me that has ever told yourself i'm done i'm not helping no more i'm not loving no more i'm not going to help anymore i'm not offering anything and the whole time you say you're you're not going to do it. You're turning around and doing the thing that you said you wouldn't do. Anybody in here that's ever been mad at yourself for the love that you give? Anybody? Come on, talk to me, somebody. I can't be the only one in here that got mad at myself and said, you stupid. You're just stupid. You just let people walk all over. Am I the only one in here? Never realizing, never realizing, never realizing that the whole reason why I went through it was because I would go through it never realizing that what I hate about myself is why God put me in that situation to begin with because he knew I would love when other people would this is why God showed me so much favor Because he knew that I would have a stubborn kind of love and not quit the ministry when it got hard. Not give up when haters hated and liars lied and scandalized or scandalized me and my family. You see, it hurts to have stubborn love. It it, it hurts to keep on caring when you're not treated fairly. As a matter of fact, let, let me show you, and I'm going to get out of your way, but Psalm 105, this is a psalm that tells the story of God's covenant with his people. It it tells how he promised Abraham that he was going to give him a land flowing with milk and honey. And look what it says starting with verse 16. He called for a famine on the land of Canaan, cutting off its food supply. Then he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with fetters. You know what that means? That means it was a chain. A chain that was used to restrain a prisoner. They bruised his feet with fetters and placed his neck in an iron collar. Until the time to fulfill his dreams. Look what this says. Look what this says. You want to know why? You want to know why you go through what you go through? The Lord tested Joseph's character. I'm about to help somebody. You ready? They could put his body in chains, but not his character. The Lord used physical chains to test his spiritual character. My God in heaven, can I tell you that there's a difference between bondage and captivity? Bondage is what other people put on you, it could be the devil, it could be your spouse. Could have been your mama when you were seven years old who told you he was never smart enough. Could have been a teacher. Could have been a boss. Could have been a pastor. Could have been your best friend. Could have been anybody. But bondage is what other people or the devil uses to keep you restrained. He, they hurt Joseph's feet with fetters of iron. They put a, new, a chain around his neck because bondage limits your capacity to move. But captivity is different than bondage. Because captivity is when you take what other people put on you and you think you are what they put on you. Bondage is on the outside. Captivity is in the brain. If you think you can't, you won't. If you think you can't because of the bondage that other people put on you, and you take it upon yourself to believe it true, that's captivity. Bondage can be broken, but captivity requires you to argue with yourself. I can break the yoke of bondage just by putting the blood on it. But I can't break captivity because I can't convince myself that I'm a good pastor if I don't believe I am. You can't convince yourself that you're pretty no matter what you see in reflection in the mirror. If you don't believe it for yourself, you you will never convince yourself you're a good mother or a good father unless you have an argument with your own self because you are in captivity to your brain. But here's what Joseph did. I told you I was going to come back to verses 19 and 20. What my brothers did to me was evil. And we jump right to the verse 20. We jump right to verse 20 which says you intended it for evil but God turned it for good. We jump right to that. But what we have to first reflect on is you've got to go through verse 19 to get to verse 20. And verse 19 is different because here's what Joseph says. If I'm going to stay in the chains of bondage I'm going to I'm going to let Your pain that you put on me become my bondage. Because what you do to me makes me bitter. And my bitterness becomes my captivity. Because no matter what you do to me, I don't have to wear it. I decide. You decided what you did to me. I decide whether I wear it. And whether I wear it depends on what I'm chained to. And if my wife said something to me that I allowed to become bitterness, bitterness becomes my captivity and I'm chained to her. I can't get free because I have chosen to accept bondage in the form of bitterness and I've become captive to my past. And look how far God could take me if I could just get loose from this. Look what God could do in my life if I could just get loose from this thing. But as long as I say, you know what she said to me? You know what she did to me? I'm bewitched by her betrayal because I'm not free. I come to church every Sunday. I pay my tithes. I worship. I cry unto the Spirit. I speak with other tongues, but I'm stuck. And I can't get loose. And I can't go forward. Because as long as I'm chained to this. I'll never be free. And either I've got to take back the power. So I can be free to move. Or i got to get loose from this thing. Because if I blame you. Your blame will become my bitterness, and my bitterness will become my captivity. And Joseph made a decision. And this is the decision you're about to make. I know I've preached a long time, but can I finish? I want Genesis 50 and 20 up here, and I want you to leave it up there. Look what it says. You intended to harm me. You intended. That's past tense. That's where I've been. You did what you did. Past tense. You intended to harm me. And this bad thing that you did has become a change that I can't get loose from. You intended to harm me. And you know what? Joseph could have done what we do. Start naming all the links. Simeon, Levi, Issachar. He could have started naming all the links. Oh, you don't believe me? You divorced me. You cheated on me. You lied to me. You abused me. You, that's what we do. We, instead, of, instead, of, instead of moving past the comma, you intended to harm me, comma. We spend our whole life on this side of the comma. And we name every link in the chain. You weren't there for me. You neglected my feelings. You didn't help me. You talked about me. We named the links, and Joseph could have done that. We would have spent the next 55 years of our life on that side of the comma. But Joseph said, but God... You, abused, neglected, whatever it is that you name your links, I don't know what you carried in here this morning. Whatever links you have been naming, you put it on Facebook, I read most of your posts, you, you, you've got them all named, you've got them labeled, you've got them described, but what you didn't know until you got to church this morning is how they have been holding you captive. They have been bondage that you put on your neck, and you can't move forward, and you've been doing it for years, and you come up to the altar, and you cry and you belly, but you don't get free because you go home with that thing around your neck and you're still naming it because you want to spend your life on that side of the karma but I came here this morning to tell somebody it's time for you to break the chains because but you break it with a butt God you break it with a butt God but God you hurt me but God you abused me but God you left me but God stayed God was my redeemer God was my help God was my supply But, God, the change that I bring to church with me, I've named them all the abuse, the lies, the ugly comments, the neglect, the divorce, the growing up with never enough, the trauma. Some of y'all take this to your counselor every week. And you just bring it on in. Tell me how you're feeling. Well, let me show you my chain. This is when they did that to me. And And this is when he did this to me. But I came here under an anointing today. To tell you, but God has a different plan. But God... Has an anointing that breaks. You'll never forget. Joseph said. Oh you did it. And you meant it. But that's all the time I'm going to spend. Thinking about where I've been. Because I got some stuff to do. I got to save everybody. But God. Breaks. Breaks. You break it, you break it with a butt. God. Where's Glenn at? Go grab, go, go grab him for me. I, I Grab Glenn for me. I need him. I didn't mean to do this, or I'd have told him to be in here. I need need you all to see yourself chained to whatever it is you blame for the way you feel. Because you gave your power away. If if you hurt me, Michelle, and I, I stay chained up to you, I gave my power away that he gave to me cuz i gave it to you you just go ahead and keep me in captivity you put bondage on me that's on you but i accepted it that became my captivity that's my fault and i can break that but god but but god Whew. I didn't intend to do this, but I got to. Shh. Hey, Kristen, come down here. Please. I boss people around like I bought them from the Midianites. Honey. I know you're supposed to sing, but I need you. Stand beside Kristen. And and man, this is going to take my whole praise team away. Go stand beside Kristen, please. Gary Jr., will you come down here and stand beside Brother Glenn? I don't mean to decimate your praise team. I didn't intend to do this. I want every person in this room be thinking about all the times that you have called out, What's? would you go stand beside my brother Glenn please, all the times you have called out by name what people have done to you, we're about to do something unusual, the reason I called these four up here is because there's a lot I know about all of you. And there's one thing I know about all of you. Is you have this crazy, unusual ability to show love to people that nobody else wants to have nothing to do with. And to show love to people who refuse to show it back to you. Like, you got this stupid, tenacious, crazy love that the rest of us look at and... Why would you treat somebody fair after what they said, after what they did? It's just—it's—it's it's nuts. And, and, and you two try to act hard and stuff. But then and then you, you, you like kick people down and then you come around and you pick them up. And you say, did, did I hurt you? I'm sorry for her. Because under it all, like you just got this desire to just love people. And it doesn't, it doesn't make sense because the captivity that other people have put on you And things that people have done to you. You could have easily chosen to stay chained up to them. But you decided like Joseph. That's not going to be me chained up to them. I'm going to set myself free. They're free to do whatever they want to do to me. You intended to harm me. But God. You break it with a but God what God wants to do in your life is too big for you to be fighting unnecessary enemies Joseph didn't have to fight his brothers he didn't have to get payback and what God's trying to do in your life and expand your spiritual journey it's too big for you to be sidetracked by people who did you wrong and people who try to hurt you. You'll need to fight unnecessary enemies. And because you're better at it than most, I'm going to ask every person in this room that wants to be truly set free from the past. I'm not talking about I came to the altar every Sunday. No, 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 no. This time's different. I want every person in this room that has named the links of the chain. That one is named Billy and that one's named Tina and that one's my, my t- third grade teacher. And, and, and you, you have over and over and over again recited and rehearsed all the hurt and damage and abuse and neglect and you're sick of it. I want you to come to this altar and I want these four and the rest of the, the Jessica and, and her team to come. And I want you to come up and lay it down once and for all, and we're going to see chains break in this sanctuary. Don't wait. I'm not not going to give this invitation for an hour. Get up to this altar, and I've got these these people standing here that's going to pray for you. This time's different. That's that's what I want on your lips when you come up here. This time's different. I've been to this altar before, but this time's different. If God can trust your flesh to not get in the way, He's about to do something powerful in your spirit. That's why Joseph was crying. You've been mistreated, but you can still love. You've been abused, but you can still love. Your gift is the crazy way that you love people.